Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. My guest this week is the super lovely and very kind and very willing to be vulnerable, Cressida Bonus, who shares her story of anxiety with me. She's an actress, she's a writer, and she's the creator of an incredible podcast called Fear Itself, which is just brilliant. It features guests, including Sir Richard Branson, Ellie Goulding, so many more, and it's all about unpacking fear. So in this episode, we unpack Cressida's fear, whereas in her series, she's talking to other people about their experience of fear. So I found this really useful, really helpful. I really appreciate Cressida being so open and honest with me and being very real about the fact that, you know, she's still figuring it out. She still sometimes struggles with anxiety and we all do. It's not about getting to a point of never feeling it again because that's just not real life. So I hope you found this helpful. I certainly did. And yeah, let me know what you think. I always appreciate the reviews, the feedback, anything. I guess to start, I want to congratulate you on your recent role in White House Farm, your engagement last year. I saw that. That's very exciting. And the podcast, Fear Itself, you have some really interesting guests on there. So I'd love to ask you to to get our conversation going. Who has been your favorite so far? And what has been, I suppose, your biggest aha moment about fear from those conversations well first of all thank you so much for having me onto this podcast because I've only recently found it and I love it and I've learned so much from all your episodes so I'm really really happy I'm talking to you today so thank you oh my pleasure so they're all so different all my guests and that's what's so lovely about it because we all have fear you know that's something that we all feel and that's what's been really interesting is that everyone's coming from such a different point of view and different experiences and a different walks of life so I don't have a a favorite uh a favorite person but I've learned so much and what I feel with the majority of people is that so many of our fears are in the future rather than now yeah so I feel like it's more the anticipation rather than the actual 
action of doing something is more frightening in our head. And also a lot of the time I've noticed when people talk about their fears, they choose a career that's actually stepping into that fear yeah definitely because you'd think oh you'd you know surely you'd you'd go away from that fear but so much of the time people are moving into them and that's what I've learned and also that you know I could be interviewing someone who from the outside is this really uh confident successful person and they have fears just like the rest of us and and the other thing is is that some people's fears can be you know everyday fears like oh you know I'm scared about writing that email to my boss or I'm afraid about this presentation I'm about to do and then I could be speaking to another person and their fear is you know they experienced um, a moment when they've faced death or something so extreme but they all everyone's fears have a place and it's just about talking about them and um I'm just really happy that I've I've created this platform for for people to 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 discuss them because I think it's it's really important to you know like your podcast you're shining a light on these topics that are either taboo or people think oh I don't want to talk about that because it's weak to talk about it or shameful for talk about it which is completely flawed because we're all human beings and we all have these these different feelings and emotions. Something that we completely are aligned on, um, and I loved seeing this uh, in your work, and I have a chapter in my second book called Fearlessness is Not the Goal. And I really just think we live, and I know you do too, that we live in a world that is so geared towards getting to a point of never feeling fear or getting to a point where you never feel anxiety again. And as if when you get there, that's when you'll have success. That's when you'll feel well. And I'm, I'm sure your listeners are the same, but how stupid is that? And how can we change people to actually stop trying to be fearless? Even remember, do you remember that um, statue that it was in New York? It was called the fearless girl. And she was staring at that bull on Wall Street. And I was like, why does she need to be fearless? Like, that's terrifying. She can feel fear and she can still overcome it. Yeah, that's so true. And, and when I was creating this podcast, I one of the reasons I actually started looking into it because I I went into a news agent and um, on the front of a magazine, it could have been Vogue or something, there was this really beautiful model or actress and it said in big letters, fearless. And it really jarred with me because I thought, well, she can't be, she can't be fearless. You know, she can't be completely fearless. And that, I think that's just really wrong messaging. And as a teenager, I wish I had been taught about these big emotions like fear, like anger, like jealousy at school, which I just don't, I don't know about now, but when I was at school, we weren't taught about these sometimes over, overwhelming feelings. And if, I think if we had been, if we were just able to, you know, just an hour a week, just share what we're feeling, I think that would have helped so much because I just don't think this word fearless is, um, is helpful at all. You know, I think people can be brave and, you know, have fears but and 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 you know face those fears. But actually being being fearless is is something that I think doesn't help because then if you do feel afraid, then the only thing that comes from it is just feeling is feeling shame around that. And I had a real problem with saying that I 
felt ang anxious or I had anxiety. Um, and I still do sometimes struggle saying that because I feel there's sort of shame around that and there just shouldn't be shame around that or, you know, similarly feeling fearful. Yeah. I mean, if you break it down, it, it would actually be quite a stupid, unhelpful response to not have any fear because you like if you go back to hunter-gatherer times when our brains were developing you needed fear to get you out of a certain situation so if you had no fear you probably wouldn't last very long so the fact that we all feel fear like we're the smart ones we're the ones who've made it through all these generations because of our ancestors feeling fear and getting out of harm's way yeah exactly and I spoke to this amazing guy called Benjamin Fry who's a psychologist in the second series and he's written this book called The Invisible Lion. He said, you know, we all are born with um, the fear of, you know, uh, fight or flight, because that's how, you know, as cavemen, we ran away from the from the lion. And that's what we have. That's what, what protects us and what keeps us safe. But what's happened now is our nervous systems are so wired that we're now in freeze or, or flight mode when there, there isn't, you know, a line, but we're, we're, our nervous systems are going mad for, for, for in little things that shouldn't be the case. You know, like if we lose our keys or we're late or we're, you know, those tiny things, the reaction is, is, is too, um, not dramatic, but it's, it's unnecessary. Yeah. I, I had a friend describe it to me once and he said, you want the fire alarm to go off every time there's a fire, but what you don't want is the fire alarm going off every time you use the toaster. <laughs> yeah. And it's so true. That's what's happening. And I think so much of it is because first of all, we have the same brain as we did back in our caveman times. Like we still respond to fear in the same way. And our the threats now are, like you said at the beginning, like mostly perceived threats. They're not necessarily, and your brain doesn't care if they're real or right in front of you or imagined or future oriented. So you have to work with the hardware and the circuitry that you have in your brain. And I think, you know, one of the greatest things you can, points you can get to in life is when you give up this need to be fearless. Yeah, exactly. And also the other reason I really wanted to look into fear and I'm actually, I've always been really interested in all the kind of those big uh, feelings and emotions like love, anger, jealousy. And I feel like fear is, is, is the root of so many of those feelings that we feel. So, I, you know, if we feel jealous, if I look at that, I think, well, that's the fear of that he or she is, is better than me or stress. Is that the fear that I'm not good enough or sadness, the fear that he or she has gone forever? You know, even depression, is that the fear that I'm stuck in this darkness and, and, and won't get out? So I feel so many of the roots of these feelings can be fear. And I also looked at a lot of amazing women in my life. And I sometimes, you know, still feel and felt when I was creating the podcast is that a lot of them, they don't follow what they really want to do or they don't um, step into their full potential because they're frightened of the outcome or they're frightened of failing or frightened of rejection. So they never go about doing it. And I look at these, you know, amazing women, I think, oh, please just, just, you know, just step into that. And, and also even with men, you know, when I interview men and hearing them say, talk about their fears, it's like, oh, that's so great that a man can say they're afraid. And that's not, that's not weak in, in both both ways, you know, looking at men and women. Let's talk about your own experience of anxiety. So am I right in saying it really kicked off for you as a teenager? Or would you say you've always had a bit of an anxious 
nature or predisposition towards anxiety? I think I always have. I think when I was a teenager, I I really doubted myself um, and in my early 20s as well. And I still get that. I still get that now. I, you know, I really doubt myself. And that, I think, led to real shyness, being really shy as a as a teenager. And I think that really held me back. And I could never say, though, that I was, you know, like I said before, I could never say that I was struggling with anxiety or felt anxious because I felt real shame around that. And especially in the the, the career that I wanted to do, I wanted to um, perform, I wanted to be on stage. And I thought, oh, I can't, I can't say that or, or be that person if I want to perform because no, you know, a performer or actor or actress or um is it, it struggles with that but now obviously I've learned that's oh, completely, wow. <laughs> completely not true but as a teenager that's what I thought because I think with you know we see these people in magazines and and what we're confronted with is these very seemingly confident um together people so I thought well, I could never admit that and did you feel like I mean one of the big things for me which perpetuated any anxiety I felt was that I didn't feel like I had a right to feel that way because you know we have a roof over our head we have privilege we're not struggling we're you know we have on paper everything going for you and then it's like well you shouldn't feel this way or think about someone who's feeling so much worse than you or in the worst situation and that just completely shames you you kind of launch an attack on yourself really when you when you think like that don't you yeah yeah exactly so I also think you know like you just said that you know, being in the Western world, we have, you know, I'm not faced with hunger. I have a roof over my head. I have a really loving family. And so when these thoughts come in that are very destructive thoughts, you think in a way I'm, I'm not allowed to feel this because I'm so fortunate and I'm so lucky um, compared to so many other people in the world. But in a way, I think that's part of the problem because you, you feel like, oh, there's, you know, there's no space for that. And I can't possibly feel like that because I'm so fortunate. But then, you know, you see people who are really, really struggling, who who seemingly have 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 everything. So I do think that's almost that that guilt feeling, you know, heightens that. And I think that is that is a bit of a problem in our world of feeling those feelings are, are, are not allowed because we we have everything. And also like our ideas of success and there being no room for sensitivity or vulnerability in the arena of success. You know, you have to have it all together. We just have gotten so many things wrong, I think. And with these kind of conversations, we're starting to slowly realize that, I mean, especially look at all the people on your podcast, really successful people, outwardly successful people have not gotten to where they've gotten without the two sides of the same coin, one of them being fear and one of them being self-doubt. So what were, you mentioned their kind of destructive thoughts. Give me an example of the kind of destructive thoughts that would come into your mind and stop you in your tracks, because I know that this is so common for a lot of my listeners. Yeah. So a couple of things. I mean, when I was, I still have this now, when I say I used to have this, I still have these feelings now. Of course. And so do I. I mean, we all do. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Because sometimes you listen to these these podcasts or you listen to, um, or you read interviews with people and they say, I used to feel this. I used to feel this. And I always wonder, gosh, do you still feel that now though? Because I definitely do. <laughs> you know? I know. And I, like, what's really important to say is like, I don't want to only talk to people 
when they've come out the other side of something because that just reinstates the idea that you're only now acceptable back in society because you've come through it like it's okay to be in the middle of it it's okay to not be fully formed because we all are that you know I think it's really important to talk to people as and when they're feeling the anxious feelings and the thoughts because that's that's reality yeah I mean even coming onto this podcast I was quite nervous oh so yeah when I was younger I had this I had I really in my mind I just would catastrophize everything so I had this obsession that I was going to lose my mum and I don't know where it came from and so every night before I went to bed I'd have to turn the light on I'd get out of bed and then I'd switch the light on the three three times and in my head my thought was if I don't switch this light on three times then something will happen to my mum which sounds crazy but it was so real that I had to do it every night that was just a damaging thought in itself and now I, I don't have that anymore but I still have a real fear of of losing my parents. Me too. And I'm really aware that I say this and, you know, people have have lost their parents and I'm sitting here talking to you and my parents in their late 70s, they're healthy, they're well. But it's a really, it's a really real thought and it, it can really stop me in my tracks. So every time I see my my mum and my dad and I say goodbye to them, a lot of the time when I say goodbye to them, this thought comes in that this might be the last time I see them. But I, if I flip that on, on its head, if I look at that in a positive way, it means that I have spent a lot of the, my time really appreciating my parents and spending a lot of time with my parents because, you know, I, I have I have those thoughts. So, you know, I'm just looking at it in a positive way. Yeah, that's really important. So, I mean, I actually did an episode on this a while ago on this idea of like happiness anxiety. And it's when you're so grateful for something or you've so much gratitude for what you do have in your life. You've got this fear that you don't deserve it or that you're going to lose it. And the fear and your parents sounds exactly like that. And it can be all consuming. And you're like, oh my God, like this is ridiculous. Why can't I just... Be, but you are grateful for you are appreciating it and it is making you rooted into the moment and what's like how you're flipping it is by you're taking that anxiety and you're using it to inspire action and the action is maybe pick up the phone and ring your mom appreciate the moment that you have with them you know the way you've turned it around is a really good thing and I think this is something so many people can relate to especially as our parents get older you know it's we're still their children we're still we're all we all have like an inner child at heart it's it's petrifying to imagine life where you know we're the adult in the situation yeah and, and that's so true about you know really um appreciating them now because I uh, you know up until quite recently I was would always think oh what's wrong with me you know I've got these parents and yes they are in their late 70s and maybe they don't have you know that many years left but they're still here so come on just stop stop being so frightened about about losing them and I think just the thought of not having them is so frightening and so overwhelming that it's it's just all consuming and did you ever vocalize any of these worries or thoughts to either your parents or did you ever like was there a point where you're like okay this is really impacting my day-to-day life I need to do something about this family I'm the youngest of a lot of siblings and I'm really close to them so I would tell them and perhaps being the youngest is is one of the reasons why I I, I feel very attached to mum and dad. Um, so I I would tell them. And what's interesting, they'd say we we have that too. You know, we have that too, um, but maybe not not as extreme as me. But I think when you start talking about it, and I did tell my mum as well, 
I think when you start talking about it, it releases it. And, and also you find out, oh, actually other people feel the same. You know, that's, that's just a very human thing. And of course we, no one wants to lose their parents, but I think just by saying it and, and with all fears and, and with all anxieties, I think as soon as you start talking and I don't think that necessarily has to be to a therapist. I think it can be yeah. a friend that you feel safe around or, you know, a family member you feel safe around. I do think it takes the weight off um, and it let, it, you know, you're able to let go of something. But when I was really young, when I was, you know, turning the light switch off three times, yeah. I definitely didn't say tell anyone that because I thought I'm so weird. This is so weird and abnormal. And why am I doing this? You know, my friend, I don't think my friends do this and maybe they were, I don't know, but because I didn't tell anyone. It grew arms and legs for you. It grew arms and legs. The other thing is if I feel if you don't want to say or you don't want to talk about it, which sometimes I don't, sometimes I don't, then I write. And I think by writing it out, you answer so many of the questions that you don't really understand yourself. And I think it's a way of processing your thoughts. And I see it a bit like, you know, you're just being sick on a page. Yeah. Getting it out there. And that for me really, really helps. And it sounds like from, from chatting to you that, you know, all these years, you've been quite hard on yourself for having these thoughts, quite hard on yourself for having those, you know, whether it manifested with the turning the lights on and off or, you know, feeling self-doubt that you would be very self-critical. Like, have you learned at all to be kinder to yourself in that situation? And, or like when you, those feelings arise or you say, okay, like, this is how I feel. Like, what can I do now? Like, maybe I do want to talk about, maybe I don't want to talk about it. Maybe I can do something nice for me. Have you, have you been able to make that switch? Yes, I'm definitely learning to be kinder to myself, but I think that is just an ongoing journey. Did it ever manifest or have you ever experienced panic attacks? No, I mean, when I have felt really anxious, have you ever felt like when you feel anxiety or you feel anxious, you have nothing else to compare it with? So you're like, is this is this like a, a near to a panic attack or is this like really anxious or is this kind of a little bit anxious because you don't know the feelings of other people when they feel anxious. So you think, or am I just being silly? Yeah. I mean, cause sometimes it's not the textbook breathing into a brown paper bag. Sometimes it's like more for me, it was always waves of anxiety where I would find that maybe for a couple of days, my thoughts would all be kind of tinged with fear. And I would just have this anxious outlook on everything that was coming in the future, like a fog almost is how I would describe it, but very different to how I would see other people experience this, you know, acute moment of anxiety, and then it would calm down and they'd be fine. I was very different to that. Yeah. And, and for me, as a teenager, I would just freeze. I know some people who have anxiety and they do the other thing where they just do loads of things and they just have to sort of like run around doing everything because they can't just stop whereas I'm the opposite and I just like a rabbit in headlights I just freeze and all those anxious thoughts uh, fearful thoughts come in and I can't I just can't do anything <laughs> talk to me about the self-doubt I mean that is something that can pervade every aspect of of your life have you ever gotten clarity on where you think that stems from? I think self-doubt is the worst. And again, one of the reasons is wanting to start this podcast because it has stopped me so much in my life from doing, from doing something that I've wanted to do. And I don't know where it stems from. I don't know. But I know a lot of uh, women, a lot of friends who, ha who have the same is this doubt. And it's really frustrating because 
Mary Oliver, you know, the poet Mary Oliver, she said, what, what would you do? What will you do with this one precious life? And I don't want to, when I'm in my, you know, 80s, look back and think, oh, I didn't do those things that I wanted to do because I was afraid, because I was afraid of the outcome. So now I'm really trying to, when I do feel doubt, which I still do, not as much as I used to, but I still do, I just go about it by just taking action and just doing it. And my friend said to me the other day, she She's been in her work, her job for for years and she wanted to ask for a pay rise, but she was too afraid to ask her boss for one. And she said, oh, I just, you know, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but I just, I just am too frightened. And I, I said to her, which I, you know, love to say the same advice to myself in different mm-hmm. situations, but what is the worst thing that could happen? And if you think to yourself, okay, I want to ask my boss for this pay rise, what's the worst thing that could happen? It almost helps, I think, because then you sort of can write down, okay, well, he'll say no, or she'll say no, or they'll put me down, whatever. And that's the worst thing. And then you have it in your head. And then the next step, you can think, okay, but what do I want from this? You know, visualize, actually, what do I want? I want him him or her to say yes and, and, and give me that pay rise. But if you just think about, actually, what's the worst cabinet? It can never be, you know, that bad, I don't think. And you can cope with it. You know, you can cope with the outcome. You can cope with that answer. Yeah, it's it's so important to confront the worst case scenario because it's your concerns and your fears are valid. Like your self-doubt, even though someone else might look at you and say, you've no reason to doubt yourself. For you, it's a valid fear and a valid concern and it's coming from somewhere. And if you are to shove that down and pretend it doesn't exist, then it's going to pop up, you know, right when you really don't need it to pop up. So confronting the worst case scenario kind of allows you to like prepare a roadmap. I call it fear hacking. And it's a really like smart way of making your anxiety work for you rather than just assuming and hoping and you know, praying that everything always turns out okay, because sometimes it doesn't. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
was there a time maybe in a career capacity where something didn't work out where the self-doubt you felt was almost you know justified in the aftermath and how did you how did you look after yourself then how did you speak to yourself after something hadn't worked out and how did you prevent that 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 doubt from really creeping in and affecting your sense of self and your sense of self-worth because I'm in an industry where rejection is almost all the time because I'm you know when I'm acting I have to go to auditions and you don't get every audition and so you get told no all the time that just comes with the with the territory so what I do is at the beginning when I started out it was really difficult you know being told no and you think oh I'm not good enough and um, that person's better than me and then you start comparing yourself to, to different people and then now I just think when I don't get something I just really think to myself well that just wasn't right and 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 actually when I look back in my life and I see the things that I didn't get and those jobs that I didn't get. It it makes sense why I didn't get them. It's almost like a jigsaw puzzle. And without sounding really, you know, airy fairy, but I do really believe that if you don't get something, you don't get the job that you that you wanted at the time that was meant to be. And with my industry, the doubt thing, you do get, you know, just grow a thicker skin because you're you're auditioning a lot and you just have to because that just goes with with the job do you think that's why people who have a lot more anxiety and self-doubt and worry about not being good enough do you think that's why they're attracted to this kind of public facing work or where there's the you know the stakes are high or the rejection is high because they think on some level it will help them almost steal themselves and that it, it like the vulnerability will become their armor I don't well with me uh with me not I know what you mean but with me not so much because I mean I'm, I'm just such a contradiction because I'm quite a shy person and in you know if you were to ask me to do you know a, a presentation or do public speaking I would just crumble and I would I would absolutely hate it and I would feel so worried about it but if you give me a script and a character to step into I absolutely you know love it that's my passion and if I go on stage I love it and I love to perform and I love an audience which does seem like a big contradiction to my character because the sort of the world around the industry I do struggle with and the kind of exposure of it I do struggle with so it's a kind of it's something that I often ask myself god I'm in an industry that really doesn't suit my character but then I love the actual um the acting or the dancing whatever it is um so I don't know if we're drawn I I don't think that's the case with 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 me I think I, I was talking to someone the other day and I was saying I was sort of you know that that stuff around the whole business is is tough um but I love the acting of it and he said well you should just see the bits that you don't like in it is as the job. So, you know, the, the, the auditioning and everything around it, that's the, the, the job. And when you actually get the job and you do what you love, that's, you know, that's why you're doing it. And I, and I, I told my husband that afterwards that when I was speaking to this person, he said, that's so true with every industry. You know, we don't, you know, with my job, he said, I don't love all the aspects of, of, of my job, there's parts of it that I really don't like, but I have to do. And that really helped me thinking about the things that I do in, in my industry, you know, parts of it I don't love. And I just see that as the job, you know, you know, when I say job, I mean the job It's like, oh God, the job. 
Um, and then when I got the part, it's a real, it's such an, a privilege to be able to, to play a character. I mean, you know, it's like, wow, this is so, you know, what an honor to play this part. Um, and that's why I do it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, I love it. I've never had the experience of acting. I've never thought I would be capable of it. But from talking to so many actors, it does seem to be just this freedom in when you step into another role and you can become any other person. It's like you just, you put all your own thoughts and worries and fears on like the back burner for a while. And then I guess the parts that you find difficult then require you to step back into yourself and be you as you are, you know, as Cressida, not as the character. So yeah, it seems to be like such a, a... like even though it's wrapped in all this anxiety of being in the public and having all this opinion about you or you know getting told no like when you get into the role like that's your safe space yeah exactly and also playing a part you you're allowed to express feelings that perhaps you don't feel like you can in everyday life because you know you can't in everyday life express real rage or yeah. um or you can but you know you can't <laughs> you feel like you can you'll definitely public. end up in the paper if you do <laughs> yeah and, and how how does it feel now putting yourself out there with me and having this conversation and, and I suppose sharing this vulnerability is this very unnerving for you or are you finding it in any way cathartic because I know in your own podcast obviously you're talking to other people and the focus is less on you yeah it is cathartic actually it is it is cathartic I don't fi- if I'm honest I don't find it easy and when I did started doing the podcast I was thinking you know I, I'm really interested in in other people's fears and how they overcome them and and how they face them and and what they're afraid of and then I really had to also start looking at my own fears yeah in order to do that and yeah I've never found it that that easy but I do believe that talking about it is so helpful um and you know, as I said before, writing about it, I do think is really helpful. So I think what what you're doing with your podcast is amazing because I think it's really helpful for people to hear that you know you're not alone. You have everyone shares, you know, some of the same you know thoughts or scary scary feelings. Now, there's such huge public interest in you for reasons we won't go into, um, because you're so much more than that. You have such an amazing career, and you're you know an amazing person. But I'm curious, you must have learned to set up some pretty solid boundaries to protect yourself around that world where people are interested in your personal life and how to not let that in when you're at home with your husband or your family and to be able to focus on what it is you want to do. Like that is something you must learn quite quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, I I feel like that's all very separate. And if I ever see myself in the paper or um you know wherever I don't it's funny I feel very detached from that and I have a very separate life from that other life so you know my husband is not in in that world all my closest friends are from school and university I'm not really in that life I yes my 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 job is but when I come home I'm home and I'm a real home person so I just love being at home with my husband and my dog <laughs> so I see that as 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 very separate which helps because it makes me not so wrapped up in it all and I think you can get very if you're not careful you can get very wrapped up into something that's actually just a lot of noise and um, not reality 
And I don't know how any human could cope with that. I mean, it is bizarre, you know, even whether you're famous or not, like to be on social media and have the opinions of more than a room full of people, it's not normal. Like we're not supposed to have access to that many people's thoughts and opinions. And it's giving us so much more to like compare ourselves with. And, that you know, back in the day, we would have had our village and our tribe and maybe there would be someone who'd be more well-known than the others and maybe someone to compare yourself to, but it's just like on a whole other level now. Do you, you know, with the acting and and the podcast and the writing and everything you do, like, is there a point where you could be, you know, an Oscar winning actress and actually you would want to not go there because of the level of public interest in you as a person, your personal life that would have to go along with it? Gosh, I've never been asked that before. It's a good question. <laughs> um, I, well, I think if you win an, I mean, if I thought, <laughs> if I won an Oscar, I think just that in itself is such a huge, huge honor. And, you know, you're really at the, peak of your not peak but top of your career then so I just think that would be no that I think that would override you know any feelings of I mean I think you'd be really nervous obviously but Mm. I think it would be such an honor that that would override those feelings but in terms of like walking a red carpet and that those kind of things it is really it is really nerve-wracking and (laughs) it's very surreal and uh strange and you just have to, I always just, you know, think of having a bubble around me yeah. Um, and then you go and then I come home and it's, as I said before, it's just a very, I feel very separate from that. And that in a way, was, I, when I was talking about what's the job and why I do it, you know, you have the job around it and then you do what you love that in a way is a bit of the job as well I suppose and are you able to like go to the shops now obviously the masks help and the sunglasses but are you able to just like walk around and live your life in the UK without being bothered oh yes yeah yeah that's yeah. nice yeah yeah no I, I don't 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 get bothered um I live a very uh normal life so nowadays when you feel your anxiety rising up for you which it still does for me. I mean, I always feel the same pressure of like, okay, I've written these books. I've got this podcast. I should have it figured out by now, but that's not how it works. Like it's a physiological response that rises up and rises down depending on what situation or what context we're in. So when it does come up for you, when you do start to feel, however it manifests for you, whether it's those thoughts about your parents or destructive thoughts or feeling like not good enough for self-doubt, is there anything that you've learned to do to take it down a notch or two for yourself? Yeah, so I write, I've started to write a lot and I have always done that, but in lockdown, I I started to do it much more. And I try and do, have you heard of the morning pages? No. So it's called the morning pages where you write uh, three pages a day and you can write more if you want or less if you want, but I do three pages. And it's the first thing you do when you wake up and it's not really conscious. So you're not like today, you know, not like a diary. You just get all the, you get sick on your page. <laughs> you get sick on your page. <laughs> That's what I see it as. And it just all, and when, when I write it, just all, you know, just flows out, all comes out and it can be absolute nonsense. I mean, sometimes something I write, like, God, that doesn't even make sense, you know, and I never read it back, but what, what it does is it, it's just, it's just very clearing. Mm. So I do that. I try to do that every day. Um, and it's really quick. You just, just get it down. Um, I should actually really burn those pages though. <laughs> Cause when you win the Oscar, someone's going to be looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I do that, which really helps. Um, I dance a lot. I, if I don't move, I feel very kind of trapped in my own body. So in the morning, 
radio on and I'll just stretch and move. I'm really bad at yoga, even though I dance, I'm really bad at yoga. And I find um, I do do a bit of it, but sometimes I find it quite frustrating if I can't get my leg somewhere where it's supposed to be. Yeah. I just feel like stretching or moving really helps. But I also think now there's so much choice we have for, for mindfulness. There's so many apps. There's so many different things. You know, a friend's like, you, you know, um, try this app or do that. And, and sometimes I think it's just too, we have, we're, we're too spoiled with choice. You know, what, what works for me? And if that's writing, then, then I write just stretching that stretching. Um, sitting quietly, you know, just for 10 minutes. I don't think it has to be like, you know, 20, 20 minutes in the morning, in the evening, which some people say, you know, you should meditate in the morning, even for 20 minutes. I think if you just do it for 10 minutes a day, I think that's so helpful. So true. I mean, the idea of self-care has kind of gotten a bit muddled. I think it's become, I've said this so many times, I'm like a broken record, but it's kind of become in some ways part of the problem where like we're using self-care as another thing that we have to nail every day and get right every day and like we have to be doing the kind of self-care that looks good in social media or that sounds good like you say the meditation like I don't meditate I'm crap at it and I think you know to bring it back to the self-care the, the self part of it is like what actually helps you to just all that matters is that you're down regulating your stress response and however it works for you that's you know obviously safe to do that's all that matters so that could be just lying down watching Netflix like it doesn't have to be it can be anything for you. I think we also need to take breaks sometimes as well from self-care, which sounds so counterintuitive these days, but we're always, you know, we're getting these messages hurled at us all day long about how to better ourselves and improve and look after ourselves. Sometimes that in itself is just like too much. And do you ever just give yourself a chance to just like, I'm just going to be today. I'm not even going to try and like hit all these marks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I find that quite difficult sometimes to do because I feel sometimes I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I want to, you know, hit those marks and I don't think that's very healthy. So I do really try and just, and just be, and I recently, I, we have got this really sweet little puppy and she just really helps that, you know, because she, you just, when I'm with her and I guess it's, you know, I don't have children, but probably like having a child, you have to be so present. Exactly. They put you so in the moment. Yeah. So I do, I do try and uh, try and do that. And it's like, oh, you know, you don't have to get up at six and do yoga. Not that I do this, but get up at six every morning and do yoga. Just, just, just be, and that's okay. That's, that's absolutely fine. How has your perception of anxiety and fear changed over the years? Is it, is it something that you're willing to embrace now? I think slowly I am. I think slowly I am. I still, if I'm honest, I, I'd love to sit here and say to you, Oh, I find it really easy to say that I'm anxious and I, I have anxiety um, because I don't. I still find that I still find that difficult. What are you, what are you afraid of in saying that? Um, I think I think it's just sort of admitting it to myself. I think just saying, "Oh, I'm anxious," is you know, you look at you you look at people who perhaps don't feel so anxious, and you think, "Oh, I wish I was like." You know, I wish it was like that person who just doesn't seem to be anxious at all or um, never has those, those feelings. But I think everyone has something and it's always, not always, but a lot of the time hidden and comes out in different ways. And you never know what's going on for someone. And that's why I said earlier, you know, someone can seem to have everything or 
you know, have this perfect life, but you never know what's going on in, in someone's mind. And I mean, what I, what I have learned doing this podcast, I've learned so much about fear and I've learned so much about love as well. And I think as we get older, I think we, we're able to, well, I think, you know, not with everyone maybe, but with me, I definitely feel like I just step into my fear more and I am able to go about it with, with action rather than freezing, which is what I, I used to do. But I think in order to do that, then just being able to say, you know, sometimes I have anxiety is really important. Well, you've come a really long way. I mean, it's not easy to be vulnerable and put yourself out there because the nature of vulnerability is that we're at risk and nobody wants to feel that way. It's not a comforting, it's not a nice feeling. But as you're learning through the podcast and hopefully in our conversation as well, when you're willing to connect with your your most authentic self, like only good things can happen then? Yeah, just saying that I am afraid is fine. That's okay. That doesn't mean there's no shame around that and there's no weakness around that. No, because we're all afraid of things all the time. Like I say, to go back to the beginning, you're one of the smart ones. The fact that you worry, the fact that I worry is like our li- our likelihood of survival is so much greater than someone who's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so it's all about your perception of it. But Cressida, I've so enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for, for sharing with me and, and being so open and just being in the moment with me. I know that my listeners will so appreciate it. So you're on season three now of the new, the new podcast. So that's widely available everywhere people listen to their podcasts. Yes, it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts podcasts and I think wherever you find your your podcasts oh thank you so much it's been such a pleasure thank you so much for having me I really love talking with you What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.